What's up, everyone? And welcome on in a One Nation brought to you by Tony Bet. It's been about a month since Trills and Wills have been on this show. We've been busy, though, covering the Women's World Cup, still keeping an eye on that. But we had our show with Jess Lisi. And, and Riley Foster. And Riley Foster. Fun times. Not so fun that Canada's out. I know, I know. We'll get a little bit more into it because the World Cup does go on. Uh, so we'll touch on that. We have a special guest in Tommy Wilden Jr. joining us today, my friend. Come on, Tommy. Mm-hmm. We have some Can PL news in particular when it has to uh, do with York United. I, I wouldn't say it's the best of news. And, but we, okay, can we talk about a story here that at least had me a wee bit shocked? A wee Just bit. A, a wee bit shocked. And you know <laughs> that I will defend goalkeepers. Like, honestly, there could be a dead body, goalkeeper standing over the body with a smoking gun and I'll say they didn't do it and Love I have, the keepers they didn't do it but this one kind of you know was a little bit uh, I know like right so let's go back to League's Cup it was Vancouver Whitecaps taking on Tigris the game goes to a penalty shootout Vancouver needed to win in order to advance in the competition and then the goalkeeper Nadwell Guzman starts to pull off some antics so take a look at some of these antics like he's a he's a mime I wish I could see your look on your face. He's a mime. There's another one where he pretends he's ill and then coughs up a streamer. Or whatever it is. What is that? I don't know. It's it's a very long string, should not have been in his abdomen to begin with or tucked away in his cheek, wherever it was. This is to throw off the kicker. How are you feeling if you like if you were to see that? What are you doing? So the one that he saves, uh, Guzman, is against Veselinovic. I'll tell you if I'm Veselinovic what I'm doing if you start miming. <laughs> I'm putting the ball down. For the people that are new to football, you're 12 yards away for a PK. I'm, run, I'm putting the ball down. I am stepping back 12 yards. Normally I do about six, mm. and that's even far for you some You want to run up. I am like Sonic running. <laughs> Sonic running, trills. I am lacing that bad boy straight for his head. I'm not like lacing that. I don't care if it goes off his ear and in, off his tooth. You're not gonna mime and do all this. No, 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 no. What are you doing? I am striking that. And it ended up working, and that's what I hated. I, Veselinovic should have wrapped his foot around that. That's yeah. for Jimmy Brennan right there. Wrapped it, whatever you need to do. You gotta score that one. I had to think about this because it's not that goalkeepers don't have tactics. It's not like even the shooter doesn't have a tactic. Like we know the goalkeepers sometimes will do trash talking. They walk, they walk up to the kicker, they hold on to the ball, they scuff up the ground. We know that they do stuff. And some people might say, well, what's the difference? A distraction is a distraction. To me though, I would say, perception matters like there's a distraction in kind of a professional way and then there's a clown show literally miming is a subsection of clowns I'm sorry to mimes out there who maybe (laughs) don't think they're clowns but that's what that is like this this is I don't know to me it's making just a mockery of the whole thing I don't like it the first thing I could ever think about by the way any kind of parallel like if you were to change this up in hockey if people remember Sean Avery you can screen a goalie in hockey Sean, but your back is to the goalie, right? Mm. So you're facing the play and you're, you know, you're screening the goalie and that is legal. But he turned around, faced the goalie and was like up in his face. And the NHL just went, listen, we know that screening 
is legal, but that to like that was just making a mockery of the rule. And now you're just you're the integrity of the game was compromised, right? So they created the rule that if you're going to do that, your back has to be to him. You can't be facing him. That to me is what this is. It's the integrity of the game that you still have to uphold. I agree with you. And there's levels. Yeah, there are levels. Okay, and this is this is out of pocket. This is far too much. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm sad that it didn't get wrapped in straight down the middle, right? Right between the eyes. <laughs> One of those, man. Shooting just to make sure you put some power behind that. Uh, yeah, just, it, anyways, absolutely crazy. We had to show that because I had never seen anything. I didn't think it was real. And then I hate that it happened against a Canadian <laughs> club, too. All right, let's get to the Women's World Cup. As, as I said, it, it goes on, even though the Canadian women eliminated in the group stage. Shocker. The favorite, the United States, eliminated in the round of 16, taking on Sweden. They had a 4-1-1 record against Sweden at the World Cup. It was in their favor, although Sweden, you know, this is a strong team, as we know, highly competitive as well, even at the Olympic level. In fact, that's who Canada beat for the gold. So this is a team that knows how to go all the way. But the Americans dominated that game. Jordo, you know, you have to give the goalkeeper credit as well uh, for Sweden. That one goes to a penalty kick. Millimeters? Millimeters? Like I even blink like a hairline. Yes, like that's how the, the final penalty kick that beats uh, USA and sends Sweden on. But what did you make of just the favorites crashing out? Because a lot of people thought that they were going to do something we've never seen before, which is win three straight World Cups. Well, first I want to just give myself a pat on the back because someone called this. I literally said on our show... I said that the U.S. are going to lose to Sweden. Mm. Jess Lisi looked at me like, you're crazy. You didn't even acknowledge me. So that means yeah. you thought I was, that was preposterous. Yeah, I think you I just ignored crazy. you. But I, had some, I felt it. I also did say Germany was going to win the World Cup. Yeah, where are they at? So I'm 50-50. <laughs> that, that's fine. I'll take it. Um, no, the U.S., you're thinking that they're doing a three-peat, that yeah. they're going to go on and, and at least get to a semifinal, final appearance to lose to Sweden the way that they did. This is the thing with football as well. It's just about momentum and how things can shift. If you're the US and you're doing everything to score and a goalkeeper standing on her head for, for Sweden, she's great. And she's number two for Chelsea, by the way. Mm. Standing on her head, you go into a penalty shootout where you know you have to score and this, this play has just been on flames all, all night. Yeah. And you have to go and beat her. It grows and grows. Mega Rapino missed. Sophie Smith missed. Like, Players that you're thinking 12 yards away, they're, they're putting it in the back of the net. And they missed. And I don't know. I know some American fans will probably be saying they were dancing too early. This is why you don't do this for a knockout game. Pride cometh before the fall. I always say it. Yeah. Is this one of those situations? I don't know. How do you feel about that? I would say that a lot of soccer pundits have been saying for a while that this is actually not the strongest USA team they've seen. Um, you could go back to the past World Cups and they were very strong teams. So I think a lot of people were kind of calling this, which I had a hard time believing only because you had these young players, like you mentioned Smith and Trini Rodman, and you had these players who seemed to be like next player up and fill the gap and just keep moving on. It's like a factory of really excellent players with USA. But, you know, I think between... Uh, the young players gaining that experience for the first time, maybe the bright light sometimes, uh, you know, a little too much in, in how do you overcome certain adversity? Was it also the coach? Was it also tactics? So should certain substitutions have been made earlier? These are the conversations we have every time a, a team goes out. Were there other distractions, you know? 
a lot of Americans not very pleased with not singing the national anthem and they felt maybe there were some other things distracting players off the pitch. To your point, were they a little bit cocky and dancing knowing that a post is what saved them from being eliminated in the group stage as well? I don't know. There's a lot of things. It's just it's tough. But I, I will say that a lot of people who have been watching this team. Uh, for the past four years, have been saying, this is not the strongest team. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a bit of a dip here for the Americans. I think we're just so used to them being on top. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that there were deficiencies within the squad. And I guess they were right. Um, yeah. they, they bowed out early. But now we're looking at the teams that are left. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. But who would you say is your favorite now? Well, the remaining teams. I think it's a consensus, though. I think we had this on the show where Japan has to be the favorite. Okay. But my dark horse, my challenger to that, they have yet to play their round of 16. They're going to take on the reggae girls. I'm talking about Colombia. Because I, I had said Colombia could be my dark horse. As of the taping of this show, they have yet to play their round of 16 game. But how do you not have Japan as your favorite right now? I think you have to. I think the way that the scoring goes, the way they play football, I think you have to put them up there. Can we talk about Colombia and reggae girls for a quick second? You can't, but I will also say this. England really does seem to be growing into the tournament. You cannot dismiss the European champs. You can't. I, I you mean, can't. I just don't want Jess Lisi or Riley Foster to be right about England winning the, the World Cup. I just don't want it. I don't want to hear it. Mm. Because, yeah, like maybe there's money down on this these games, but hey, we'll just... Uh, Did you put some money No, nah, I can't. I can't confirm or deny that but I am you a gave man. me $2.75. That you didn't take. You left it right when here. I, before I left for Vegas. So don't tell me you're putting big money down. Like, I didn't did say you, big money. I said money. Did you put a dollar? Don't worry about my financial situation. <laughs> don't worry about what I'm doing. All I know is that Colombia and Jamaica are such a feel-good story. If there was a team that the reggae girls could lose to and I'd be okay with, it would be Colombia. Jamaicans out there, my mother, my two grandmothers, don't outcast me for saying that, but mm. I just feel as if Colombia is also a good, a feel-good story as well. Casado, yeah, you gotta support, you gotta support the movement with Colombia as well. Yeah, hey, and by the, and I was gonna say Casado being a superstar, it is worth noting Australia in their win in the round of 16. Sam Kerr back, a lot of people really excited because this so far, this World Cup has been special in many ways. I mean, we already know it's been the first for so many things when it comes to, to to the women's game, but we're also seeing these underdog stories. Nigeria, of course, has now been eliminated, but like Nigeria getting through, Jamaica getting through, Morocco making their World Cup debut, getting through. They're take on France. We'll see how it goes after the round of 16. So it's kind of been this underdog story, but also I want to see some superstars rise, right? Like mm. Sam Kerr is a superstar. Casado is really showing her chops. I love this kind of stuff. I want to see, I want to see some superstars take over. Not that I don't mind the Cinderella stories, but I like them stars. Yeah. And that's what the world cup is, right? You see every world cup on the men's side, the women's side, like this just propels your career. This just throws you into a new mm. environment. All eyes are on you. The world really stops with the World Cup. So seeing the stars, seeing Sam Kerr, seeing Australia already really qualify without Sam Kerr playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm playing Australia in Australia, I'm, I'm pretty frightened. Let's bring our guest in onto this conversation. That's Tommy Wielden, junior manager of Cavalry FC. Welcome to the show, my friend. I have to ask, who are you rooting for at the Women's World Cup? Well, I was a dual national. I had uh, two horses at the race, and uh, now I've only got one. So it, um, right now it's England. Why does that not surprise anybody? But you know what? They're strong. They're strong, Tommy. That is a good team to back up. But I don't know if you have a dark horse. Mine's Colombia. I know they have yet to play Jamaica in the round of 16, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Perhaps they'll go through. But I don't know if there's, like, another team there that you think, okay, maybe, like maybe Japan. Not that I'm trying to get you to... Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm Do trying to sway. Actually, I'm 
I'm with you, Will. Uh, actually, of course. Everything no, no, about I like you, Tommy. To make a story. Everything no, I like about them you. To make a story. They've yeah. no yeah. excuses. They've just got on with it. They've crowdfunded. They're there and they're saying, right, come on, we'll have a go at anybody. And I just love that spirit. It almost reminds me, I was having this chat with my brother yesterday. I said, it reminds me of, you know, Cameroon in the 1990 mm-hmm. World with Roger Miller, where there was just something different about them. So I like it. I love the story, but also let's just talk about the food real quick. You look like a man that brushes off a jerk chicken, loves oxtail, loves a curry goat. I feel like the way your team's been playing, you've probably been eating that yeah. after, after matches as well, just really rewarding yourself for the, the way Calvary's been playing this season. Listen, the shirts are getting a bit tighter. I do like my food. I'm not going to lie. It's a love language of mine and, and, and me and my wife, we, uh, we, yeah, we're, we're foodies. But no, I had, I had the family over last night, I had the barbecue hour. It was a nice evening. It was nice not to be playing on a weekend, I guess. So mm. uh, rare, rare occasion. Uh, we will be booking the next flight out to Calgary. <laughs> we expect uh, a barbecue. Here, here's the thing, though, Tommy. We know that in sports, and, it, and I get it, especially as a journalist, whenever I'm on TV and I talk about teams, they always say, Andy, the season's long. Yeah, 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 I get it. But we love talking about the good and the bad. And do you remember when you started the season? Often you needed like six games into the season to get your first win. Uh, does that feel yeah. like forever ago? And, and can you just take us through how you were feeling to start the year and it was just draw after draw? So, I mean, you were getting points. It's not like they were losses, but did it, did it feel like a win was never going to come? I'll be honest with you. It felt like crap. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a rare industry that you how you do your job is based on the result you have on the weekend. So you can be working all preseason. You can have 12 weeks of preseason, eight weeks, whatever your schedule is on your periodized plan. Then you go into the season, you, you do the week before, this is how they'll play. This is what we do in this moment. This is how we can catch them. So you work on all these things and you draw. Okay, we didn't lose, no problem. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. And honestly, it was literally like Groundhog Day. And the best thing we did was actually go through that to be honest, because we're, we're trying a few new things this year. And, uh, and I think, Will, you and I have had these 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 chats because, you know, we've been so close, but the game's evolving. Every four years in a World Cup cycle, I think the game steps forward. Um, and we've got to be ones that don't, aren't the same every single year when teams face us and aren't the same every single game. So we have to be a, a team that's willing to evolve. And you see that with the, with the young and the depth we, we're creating. So to be where we are now after 18 games with 10 seasons to go, to be in the conversation, well, these guys could win the league. That's where we wanted to be. It just took us a little bit of time to trust the process. So I love footy, uh, Tommy, and I always want to talk about it. But quickly, just talk about that process, that growing, the growing pains that came with it, the, the learning curve. Because Calvary that I played against for two years, it's just like a hard-nosed team. Of course, there's talent, and you guys are combined some of the time. But I think now you're seeing a bit of both. Yeah, you can be like tough as nails, but you guys are just playing uh, football. You're, you're methodical, you're patient with it. Just talk to us a bit about that process and how that came about. And also just sticking to your guns. I'll give you your flowers because that was commendable. During a, a tough time, it's easy to revert back to how you've had success before, but to stick with it. Um, not that my claps matter, but I'm going to give you three claps right there because that was, that was impressive. But just talk about that switch, the balancing it out now. Yeah, like I said, I think the game's evolving. So as a manager and a coaching staff, you know, unfortunately, I've got, you know, Leon Apgood and, and Nick Ledgewood around me. We just hired a new goalie coach and just 
we've got some good voices around us and we did a massive, you know, audit at the end of the season where we were close and, you know, we've not necessarily had the best of luck in the playoffs and it could be a bit like sometimes you need a bit of magic sometimes there's a mistake and for us there seems to be some bad calls that you know have cost us trophies so we're like right there's two trophies on the line now so if you're the best team over the course of 28 games you're off to CONCACAF and deservedly so we've done that before but if we want to be the best in the playoffs we're going to have to face different things we were noticing that when teams were coming to Echo Field they were developing a low block encounter and you know so we had to be patient to provoke presses we had to you know have more of a a, a, a methodical build out to invite pressure and if they did break the press then we had talent going forward with Camargo with Musi with Akio with Bevan you know we're seeing Goating Natigny having a breakout season um, but yeah so, so we went through it And but you are tested when you don't get the wins early so if you start off winning you're like right it works but your true DNA comes out when things don't go your way. And I think with that, um, we're fortunate, like I said, to have had a good leadership group. So you talk to your Marcos, your Sergios, your Charlie Traffords and Dan Klomps, and you're like, right, this is what we said we'd do at the start of the season. We're not getting the results, but the performances are there. Here's the data that supports it. What do you think? Do you want to go back and be a little bit more direct, be a bit more transitional? This league is very transitional, but do you want to lean into this? And without even finishing my sentence, both my coaching staff in that conversation and our leadership group said, no, let's lean into it. Let's be different. And that's what you're seeing right now. How much of that difference is to tackle what's happened in the playoffs? Because that's been the story for Cavalry, these perennial contenders looking red hot in the regular season. And then, you know, as you mentioned, you can point to various factors of things not going your way in the playoffs. How much of this is to prepare for playoff footy? Yeah, and, and it is. I mean, it's a, playoffs are a cup competition. They're so exciting. They're great to be a part of. Uh, I like it, but I always see it like a cup competition. Um, so it's great for the fans, you know, exciting for the players, great for media because there's stories to be sell. You can have the Cinderella run or you can have, you know, the David versus Goliath. There's so many narratives to write. But I've always been a believer that the best team over 28 games that can go to coast to coast, pick up points here, there and everywhere at home is the best team. And the fact that the league has gone one step and says, you know what, we've got two CONCACAF spots here. Let's do that. So, yeah, part of it is we have to audit, hey, can we be good in one-off games? And to be good in one-off games, you need to create magic. You need to be brave. You can't just be, you know, defend and hope for a set play or hope for a, a transition. Why not be the protagonist versus the antagonist? And I thought that suited our DNA a little bit more, to be honest, Andy. And um, again, that's what we're trying to do this season. Tommy, let's talk uh, quickly about recruitment, because for me, it was a brief two years playing in the league, but I am convinced that it's all about the depth of your squad. It's not about your top 12, 13 players. It's about having 22 bought in, but also 22 players that you can use at different times and different positions. You've done something interesting that I feel a lot of managers should do in the CPL in terms of hire players that have played for you that understand the process with Tofa Fankunle, with Oliver Minitel coming back as well, a part of your staff and your recruitment process. I feel like they had a hand in Gote and Tigny as well, and Cobbs are coming into your squad. Just talk to us a bit about that, um, having players working for you that know your mindset and know what you like. Yeah, exactly. I think what, what you've seen is a strategy, you know, 
Of course, we want to be a winning club. You want to put some silverware in there, but that's only a part of it. I think winning behaviors are in several ways. I think it's the number of bums and seats you're starting to get week in, week out. You know, your, your profit and loss column that, you know, is important to, to ownership group to, you know, bringing through young Canadian players and selling them on to taking players that have played for you in different elements that you can bring into your culture. We're, we're a new league with, with some old ideas in there and, what I mean by that is Tova Fakuni's been great. You know, he was one that was kind of there or thereabouts in the first year or so um, to, to play. Signed a pro, got his minutes, but I felt his impact in the in in the league and in the professional game was going to be right behind the desk because he's got a brilliant mind. Um, he knows the U Sports system, so he's been pivotal for me to lean on. You know, Oliver Minitel, you played with him, you know him. He's a first class individual, one of the best human beings I've got to work with so when there was an opportunity he was going to hang his boots up I thought he's going to be great speaks four languages that I know of um, so when it comes down to the international recruitment and how international players are able to make that leap and you know you've played with them it's hard for you've played abroad it's hard for international players to to settle in He's great at that, you know, from Nick Ledgerwood, who was, you know, someone I started my, you know, started his playing career, him and I played together to, he finished and now he's an assistant coach of ours. You know, even my brother now, he takes care of our U21 pathway, which you see in some young players like young Michael Harms come through that, you know, get to play for him. And Mason Trafford now is, you know, working in the, in the front office, doing the commercial director, dealing with partners. So we all speak the same language, but we've all got different skill sets. So it's almost like a, a Swiss army knife of talent, but great human beings and brilliant minds. Well, before we let you go, I do want to talk about a player on the pitch and that's Gote Antigny. What do you think his ceiling is? Yeah, I don't think he has one, Andy. He's, um, <laughs> honestly, he's, you know, you think of, you look at the jump, someone like a Tejon Buchanan's done, you know, came out of college and, and went into the MLS, had a couple of really good seasons, then went into Europe, still kept playing well. And everyone's like, oof, you know, and you see that with Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. For me, it's, I don't want to put him in that bracket because I don't want to put the pressure on him. He just enjoyed his football, but he's the fastest thing I've worked with. We did the speed test on him. <laughs> I, mean, that's why, I think that's where the comment came up. He's got Alfonso Davies' speed. He does. And I think now... The league started of taking note and gone, oof, if they want to pressure him, he's built like a brick. Um, if they want to go and back off him, he's got little moves to cut inside. And I've actually encouraged him now to be a bit more selfish because in training, he scores these absolute bangers with his shot. So he's so humble as well. And I think that's what makes it great to work with. And it carries on that pattern of, you know, Victor Latouris and Arabin Peppers, Joel Waterman's, all these guys that have come here, they're hungry. And there's, a, there's no ceiling to them, to be honest. Mm. Well, he's a joy to watch, and it's always great having you on, Tommy. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll be watching. Appreciate it, Tommy. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Love having Tommy on. What a season they're having. But, you know, at least for me, how are the playoffs going to play out? That's what I'm always curious about with Cavalry now. And it's pressure time. Yeah. These last 10 matches, I'm just rounding off for all the teams, but around 10 matches. Pressure time, right? Mm. You got to peak at the right time in the CPL. Calvary right now look like they could do it, but they just got to go and show it. Uh, it's going to be a tough final 10 games or so for York United, who's in a dogfight right now to make the playoffs. So this just being released as we were getting ready uh, for the show, they're going to be without Osaze Di Rosario for a month. Uh, they released that um, he has tested positive for a banned substance, which 
is weed. Uh, so here's the actual uh, release. It says uh, De Rosario inadvertently ingested THC, component of cannabis. It is a legal substance in Canada. A few days before an in-competition urine test on October 1st of 2022. THC is included on the World Anti-Doping Agency list of prohibited substances. It's prohibited in competition. Um, that is on match days, not out of competition. Now, as a member of Canada Soccer, the national governing body for the sport in Canada, York players are required to comply with Canadian Anti-Doping Program, which is independently administered by the Canadian Centre for ethics in sport. So he came out and said that last September, I unknowingly consumed THC after eating an unlabeled dessert at a dinner gathering I intended days before a match. First things first, as somebody who played in, in the CPL, what is this process like? So I think every season that uh, you start in the CPL, you have to do this this test or this course. It's maybe an hour. I was failing mine, so it was about two hours. Um, and shout How are out, you failing? Shout out to Wifey. Um, wifey did mine for me. Now's the time to be truthful. Now that I've retired, no one can hurt me. I feel untouchable. This is what you say right before you get fired, right? <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, your boss is like, yeah, yeah, be truthful. Yo, we got your back. Like, yeah. And then, uh, then I'm literally <laughs> sleeping in Andy's basement, like asking, like, I have no house. <laughs> I, when I did my test, I didn't even do it. I literally was like, it was a couple of days before training. We had games. I had to get it done. I said, babes, please. Like, I'll watch But what is it? It's like, this is, is this banned? Is that not Basically, banned? Like, it's that type multiple choice. This is, a, this is a substance you can have. This is not a substance you can have. This is how your testing yeah. is going to go. If you do get tested, you have a chaperone that's with you. You have to put urine in the cup. You have to fill it up this many milliliters, all that stuff. I was tested five times in two years. I was randomly tested. Some players would be once every two years. It's that process is just like, it's annoying when you're playing a hot game and you're dehydrated. Oh yeah, you can't go. And they're watching you. They're Man, staring at as you. As soon as someone comes and says, Jordan Wilson, I'm just down in like Gatorade water because I know I'm a vet. I know mm -hmm. that I got to put that urine in the cup and I can't fall short. So with Dero, it's just an unfortunate thing. Also because it's legal in Canada now. So it's just like you got to alter the rules. If it said in, um, in the press release from Angus McNabb, if Dero Zario was a Toronto Raptor, a yeah. Maple Leaf or Blue Jay, this wouldn't even be a topic of discussion. Those leagues, yeah, they have not made it Now uh, he's illegal. missing a month. NFL has lessened or, you know, their rules on that as well because we, we know that the bans used to be pretty substantial as well in the NFL, but they've kind of loosen the reins a bit on that. And yeah, I guess it is, it's tough because you are in a country where it is legal. You also are at a point in the evolution of understanding what also helps with a lot of pain and stress and anxiety for athletes who want to go a little bit more of a, of a natural route. Now he says he ingested it unknowingly, which could happen. Could happen. This is, I know a lot of people laugh at that. I may have been a victim of that one time. Story time. We can Come share on. that story or not. Here's the thing that kind of irks me a little bit with this because they are now he heading down to the final third of their season. They're in a dogfight to make the playoffs. And I know he's been having a tough season. It's not like he's been banging in a bunch of goals and they're going to lose Scored this top 12 goal last season and three this season. Yeah, so he's struggling a little bit. But either way, you'd rather have him available than not available because now he's done for a month. He tested positive back in October of last year. We are almost a year. What took so long for the CCES to come down with this verdict? If I'm the Canadian Premier League, I'm looking into this. It's ludicrous. I'm looking 
looking into this saying, why did this take so long? Why did this not come down earlier? Why could this not have happened at the beginning of the season? We are now in the final 10 games of the year. It's highly competitive. This is probably the best we've ever seen as far as competition and a fight for a playoff spot in the CPL. And now you're telling one team they're going to be without a pretty significant player. I don't like that at all. I'm wondering why it took so long. Fugazi, there's a lot. It's very questionable. You got to <laughs> want to look into that for sure. With Dero, the situation as well, he's banned for a month. Training is the biggest part for me. Like, okay, he can't play matches. Let's say that's a ban, but he, can, he can't even show up to training. So what you're basically saying, essentially saying he's going to miss four games mm -hmm. um, for York United and maybe make a push for those last four or five games and then playoffs. But like, he won't even be sharp. You're not even giving him a chance to really succeed. Maybe he's going to go run and, and keep fit on your own, but you need to be playing games and striking if you're a striker to have a good shot going into the playoffs. So they really put him behind the eight ball. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I think it's a little unfair. Unfortunately, I think they need to reassess. I do think they need to reassess the rules, but I will say going into this that the, the small part of me, which I'd probably say to him in the locker room as well, is that in season, in that time, you know what it is. Like, you have to be that precise. Again, accidents could happen. You could have a little brownie at a party. It could happen. Listen. But I'm also saying that's your time to be your best self and be a model student. It, it, it's just it, so unfortunate. It happened. It happened. Long story short. Oh, love it. Story time, come. I was at a New Year's <laughs> Eve, this is years ago, I was in my 20s, I was at a New Year's Eve house party. I love chocolate chip cookies. There were some chocolate chip cookies. I may have had two. I didn't know what they were. How many, how many chocolate chip cookies did you have? Two. Okay. And then I found out what they were afterwards and yeah, like at that point it was too late. I was I was happy though. Like I what, was So like it was, the, was, it was a happy night. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I wish that But it was an accident. No, it's hey, I'm not pointing your finger. I just want to know. I wish I was a fly on the wall um mm. at that party because when you say it was a happy night and your hand went like this, I'm like were you prancing? Well, like, no, what like was I going on? it just I wasn't paranoid cuz sometimes there can be like okay. a bad like there, there was basically there was a gentleman there who maybe had some facial piercings <laughs> that totally amused. I was like, "Wow, look at your face." And the house, the house had shag carpeting on the wall and they had cats. The cats were running on the wall. That actually happened. And now imagine having two cookies by accident and cats are running on the wall. It was a trippy night, it was the best night, but it was a night that happened by accident. I'm just saying, it can happen by accident, Jordan. Either way, on a serious note, I feel bad for York United. Um, I feel bad for Osaze. Not the news you want to hear right now. No, really not. But you know the news. I love that we are back here on One Nation. That's Jordan Wilson. I'm Manny Petrillo. Thanks for tuning in. Always double check your chocolate chip cookies. <laughs>